Top 5 Pelican Podcast. Pelican Podcast. Welcome back. Top five Pelican Podcast. Not proud, but humble. Welcome to the Top 5 Podcast out right now. I'm the creator. They call me MVP. And today I have a returning guest for you guys from the Bird Rights, Kevin Barrios. My last episode focused on the... My last two episodes focused on the center and the forward positions. Those are the two positions I feel need the most improvement. But on this episode, I asked Kevin... What the ideal offseason looks like for the Pelicans in the eyes of Kevin Barrios. Let's see what he comes up with. Hello, Kevin. Yeah, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, good, good. What's going on with you? Welcome back to the Top 5 Pelican Pod. Thank you for returning. No problem. Thanks for having me, man. Always hey. good to be on. Always you good. hear me okay? Yeah, I hear you pretty good. Always good to be what you said? Always good to be on. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> How you been since the last time we spoke? Not too bad, you know, like everybody else, struggling, getting by, trying to trying to make it without a job at, still at the moment, you know, trying to mm-hmm. get all the side hustles going, drawing a, drawing a lot, doing a lot of design, um, scraping by, that's about it. But, uh, you know, can't complain too much. You know, other people got it way worse for sure. I hear that. I'm, I'm happy to support. I, I I got a Pelican poster coming in the mail soon, right? Yep, yep. It's all sent out. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, so I had you on uh, this show. This show is going to be called The Perfect Pelican Offseason by Kevin Barrios. I had I had a, my last two episodes, I had a, a first-year Pelican fans fan on here and he and I, we were talking about the top center options and mm-hmm. the top forward options those are my two biggest uh needs for this team center being one and then forward for the others all but all his moves were centered around trading Drew Holiday mm-hmm. so i was thinking like maybe it's because he one of the first-year fans that's coming over with the Lonzo. A lot of the Lonzo fans uh, hate on Drew a lot, so they, they want him gone so uh, Lonzo could do more. I don't know what that means, but I thought that's what a lot of the trading Drew came from, the first-year guys coming over, Lonzo fans hating on Drew. <laughs> but then on Twitter, I'm hearing a lot of veteran 
Pelicans fan talking about trading Drew. You have Michael McNamara. He has a trade a day. Of, he at least he's fair. I like Mike a lot. He he does Drew trades. He got Lonzo trades. He got JJ trades. He's trading. He got a trade a day. Hundred trades. One of them's gonna hit, and he's gonna feel like oh, the genius. But not just not just Mike. You got the birds rights people. Derek David Fisher just heard. Put some. I, I thought that was a very bad trade. A lot of people responded with negativity on that trade that he put out for trading Drew. And then we got another birds rights Elliot um, from the, the pod, the host of the bleed. He has like a. I like his pod. Good stuff. Good yeah, guest. He had like a seven part series of how to dump Drew Holiday. So it's like okay, it's not just my guy Samuel Stans, the first year fans trying to get rid of Drew. You got these veteran Pelican uh, fans that's been here from the beginning, also ready to dump Drew Holiday. So I feel like I'm like the the last man standing that wants Drew to stay and even sign an extension. That's what I would this offseason. If he signs an extension, would be good for me, and I think that's part of the perfect offseason in my eyes. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to bring you on. Uh, or somebody that I respect their vision and basketball mind and and show me like what is your vision on what a perfect offseason looks like for the Pelicans this offseason what coach you want is Drew Holiday still here what upgrades you would like to see the mind let me see what uh, Kevin Barrios could put together all right all right cool um, are we? We are we rolling right now? Yeah, right. Yeah, we are. It's live. Okay. You already know. Pelican cool. live. Top five Pelican pod. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, before we even jump in, um, yeah. I've, I'm like of the mind that you can go both ways with Drew Holiday and with Lonzo Ball, where you could keep them both, you could trade one or the other. Um, yeah. I don't necessarily think when people throw those trades out there that they're saying this has to be done. Um, mm-hmm. It's just sort of like exploring how to build a team, um, you know, and different avenues that you can take, which is, you know, surely what David Griffin's doing. You know, he's thinking about multiple ways that he can build this team. I think we can all agree that Zion and and Brandon Ingram are your two untouchable players. And then you look at every other avenue that you have and what would lead to be, um, you know, best for the team as a whole. And and also, if you're going to trade a guy like Drew, especially and even a guy like JJ, but especially a guy like Drew, you want to make sure you put him in a good situation. You don't want to send him to a trash team or like a place where, you know, he doesn't want to live or something like that. So I think that should be weighed in too, because, you know, you want to, you want to show that you appreciated the guy and that you treated him well and that you mm-hmm. got to work together to get him in a good spot because you want, you know, you want positivity. You want people to think of your team as not a cutthroat team. You don't want it like, Yes, Anthony Davis's dad situation yes. with Isaiah Thomas and, and I'm, Boston, I'm, right? You know, I'm glad so, you said that. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. So I've but, definitely explored all avenues of that. Like okay. I have like a ton of Drew Holiday trades. I have a ton of Lonzo trades. I have ideas where they both stay together. Um, but I I put together a plan, and you know, you called it the perfect. It's not going to be the perfect because I tried to be as realistic as possible, especially with mm-hmm. knowing what we know about um, 
what's going on, especially in the coaching search. Um, so it's a plan that I would like and be about. It's not the my perfect plan, but I think it's a good plan. And I think um, you'll see, it, you know, my vision for the team moving forward. And I mm-hmm. think I think you in particular will like it because, um, you know, I'll, I'm going to spoiler right away is that I'm <laughs> keeping Drew Holiday. And, okay, good, and, good. And acquiring some young vets while also adding some young, ta- some really good young talent. Um, the young vet Dell Demps approach that everybody hates. Okay. Well, the thing, is, the thing is, right now, it's different than that because with Dell Demps, and like, I think you and I agree that, you know, a lot of his moves he made were good moves. They just didn't pan out, whether it's because of how coaches use people or be- how injuries happen things like that he had a lot of bad luck um but the the difference now is is that we have a lot of extra draft capital which we didn't have with drew holiday i mean with um del Demps. so when when dell's trading away first round picks there's not another one in your back pocket you're just losing that first round pick you know you're not in the draft that that next year or that current year whereas now we have some flexibility where we can trade a few draft picks and still have a, a first round pick every year um, and still acquire nice quality veterans got, or like young players that are still on their rookie deals, even that, you know, you might be able to take away from the team that they're on now that better fits your team and maybe better fits that team's timeline. So that's sort of how I'm approaching this thing because um, before we get too heavy into it, I, I mean, I yeah. think it's pretty clear um, when you look at the who the coaching candidates are that are the finalists reported that David Griffin is not in uh, let's develop a bunch of young talent and yeah. this thing we're gonna we're just gonna again try to win now um, so I, I think that you have to approach the offseason that way if you're being realistic about it and I do think that the pelicans like you mentioned, can go either way. That's the the benefit they're in right now. They can keep Drew. They can keep Lonzo. They can keep both, or they can trade both. And still, like you said, with the the draft picks, the core they have already, young core they have already, they they're in a good situation either way if they do decide to trade Drew. But I'm saying the thing I'm seeing is that. A lot of people are seeing like Drew must go for this team to succeed. And that's the part where I'm disagreeing with when I say the stop trading Drew. Why is everybody's trading Drew? Because there's people that's acting like he must leave for the team to succeed. Yeah. And I I agree with you in the sense that he doesn't have to. Um, Mm -hmm. I think one of the main problems that people – why one, people are so out on Drew is one is yeah. his age, of course, but he's definitely declined every year in offensive production, right? He's a great one-on-one defender, but mm-hmm. also hasn't translated to improving the team defense. Um, mm-hmm. So there's avenues I understand, and and you don't want to have this this uh, guy that's now probably going to start to become your fourth option on offense being paid that much money. Um, you know, if you can sign him to an extension where his number drops some, uh, it's a more yeah. palatable. But if you can find a way to sort of reset some of the other salary on your roster while you still mm-hmm. have Zion under on his rookie contract 
and you uh, possibly um, have some other young guys that you're relying on on rookie contracts, then it doesn't matter mm-hmm. so much that you're paying Drew that kind of money. Um, exactly. And, and if you remove that role where you're, act, where you're relying on him offensively because he's so widely inconsistent on the offensive end. And um, I talked about this a lot in our group chat, and Ali ended up writing an article about it. If you go uh, search on the bird rights about how basically – and, in fact, last time I was on your podcast, it was right before the bubble, you asked me, what player is mm-hmm. going to contribute most to wins and what player is going to contribute most to losses? And I said, Drew Holiday is the answer to both because mm-hmm. his offense is so inconsistent. And when he's on, we win. And when he's off, we lose. And you can't have that player and have to rely on him offensively. So you have to figure out a way to add more guys that contribute offensively and let him be his defensive guy. And if he goes off, it's a, it's a benefit, but if he's, only going to give you seven to 12 points in a game, you can still win because you have other guys that score and he's doing his job defensively. Um, so that's kind of what I'm looking at and building. Okay. I, I understand that. I think it's overstated his um, inconsistencies. I think he's pretty consistent now who he is as a player, what he can bring offensively, a solid 20 he averages about 20 points a game. He's a, gonna give you that and my thing with the the zion on timeline that's why i don't i'm not in a rush to trade drew like you mentioned he's on a rookie contract my line for this for this um uh, era is that next contract for zion when he gets that the the max on that one now i have to move around salaries drew can't be making 20 million on a team where zion and ingram being making the max then i understand but right now is not the time for that that's why i oppose to uh dumping drew because of zion being on his rookie contract being a rookie we can we can keep uh, players like Drew there to add that veteran and consistency for me. I think he's more consistent than inconsistent. I'm going to disagree with you there, but that, that's fine. I mean, I just feel like you you can watch any game. You see if Drew scores 20 points in the first half, he's scoring five in the second half. Um, and, and if you look at like, um, I mean, yeah, he averages 20 points a game, which looks great, but it's, it's high variance. He's a lot, He's a totally different player, but in terms of consistency offensively, he's a lot like Ryan Anderson was, a high-variance player. Like when Ryan Anderson was hot, he was lighting lighting the opponent up for 30 points a game. Yeah, Looking yeah, like he can't yeah. miss when he's off. He's the flamethrower, yeah, yeah, the flamethrower. Yeah. Hot, hot Ryan Anderson was a good, it was a show to watch. Yeah, yeah, but when he was off, he was killing your offense because he was a uh, he was a black hole, which Drew's not a black hole, but you. Like, no, you know, no. he, he's just missing everything and you're relying so much on that scoring and you're just not getting it on those nights and there's no way you're going to overcome that, um, especially with the situation we were last year. And he had so much pressure on him last year, too, because, you know, David Griffin with the expectation of uh, he's going to be in the MVP discussion, which was yeah. which was ridiculous, <laughs> you know. Um, I would say ridiculous. I liked it. I like where he was going with it. Anthony Davis is gone. Drew Holly pumping Drew. It's fine. I was fine with that talk. 
I don't know, man. I mean, you're talking about a guy that barely eked into an all-star game. You know, like, he's not that level of scorer. That's, I mean, he's a great defender, but you don't even see him. Up. His best trait is defense, and he's never even up for Defensive Player of the Year award. So to think oh, that he's going to be oh, MVP. No. I'm not saying he shouldn't be up for Defensive Player of the Year. I'm just saying he hasn't been. You know, he hasn't, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. You know, so. I understand. I just like what was his name? his thought process on Drew and the motivation for Drew in that season. He connected it to the Steve Nash. Let let sometimes you just gotta let them be great type thing. And I I liked it. I don't think that was a bad part for Griff to say those things. It shouldn't have I mean, changed to me that showed mind. that he doesn't know Drew Holiday yet. Because oh, wow. because like <laughs> I mean, think about every time there was any kind of change in Drew, Drew's role. He struggled for at least three weeks before he could adjust. He's very bad at adjusting to change. And so there is uh-huh. nothing but change around him other than the coaching staff. I mean, uh-huh. and, and, and totally different roles. And then you start to see, I mean, obviously Griff made this pronouncement before um, Zion was out for most of the year, but then you go into the regular season and now Zion's out. And then that's another adjustment. And it's just adjustment after adjustment. Um, he struggles so much with that offensively um, that it, it, it was just doomed. It was, you know, it was like destined to blow up in his face, like a jokey Smurf gift, you know, like or exploding cigar or whatever. Um, <laughs> I I, I kind of agree with that with the adjustment stuff, but he, he you found what he liked, where he liked when we, he was forced to be a point guard. You saw those struggles way more. That's where I agree with when he had to be a distributor and a score. That's what his focus was on. That's where he struggled more. But having a pass first point guard running the show and he could go off ball and just do his thing. That's where I saw more consistent Drew, and I think we have that right now with Lonzo being being that pass first, control the team, point guard, and Drew off ball like we saw with Rondo and Drew. That's why I want to see that develop more for at least three years, see how that goes. So that's where I kind of see Drew with his consistencies and not he likes this role of a, the off ball guard. Cool. Well, you want to get into this uh, this plan here? Yeah, yeah. Let's get into your plan here and see what's what's what you got going on. What do you think is the best next step for the Pelicans? Okay. What I'll do is I'll I'll run you through um, the coaching staff stuff real quick, um, okay. and then I'll just give you the quick overview. And then if you want to comment on that, and then I'll go back and give my thoughts on each individual thing. I mean, that could work because I have a lot of notes here. Um, okay, you got a lot. Yeah. All right, yeah, let's do okay, it. Okay, so the first thing I do is I, I, I'm i going to say I'm a, I'm a huge anti-Jamel McMillan guy. I think he needs to go. I, okay. I mean, I know a lot of people don't really care because he's just like an assistant in the background that you don't see a lot. Yeah, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail of why I don't like him. I'm just going to say I don't think he's uh-huh. very professional in his position and I wouldn't want him part of my, my bench. So I'm going to relieve him, but I'm also going to relieve the entire staff except for Fred Benson. Um, I'm going to keep him around. Um, Step two, 
is what we start to build our stuff. Um, you know, like I've been a huge David Vanderpool guy. I, I still wish we were going more in that direction, but I, it, the writing's on the wall that it's clear that we're going proven uh, coach with, with a track record. Um, so I'm going to say that we're going to hire Stan Van Gundy, which I'm fine with. Yeah. He's not my top choice, mm-hmm. but I do really like Stan, Stan Van Gundy. Um, bring him in as head okay. coach. And then with Ty Lu getting the job in Los Angeles, as I had always expected, I was kind of shocked that it took so long. And him bringing Chauncey Billups in as his uh, lead assistant, I feel like yeah, I wanted. I that. feel like oh. Sam Cassell is sort of in no man's land because I don't know how much. I mean, obviously, there's only 30 teams in the in the NBA, so if you get offered a job, you should take it most likely. But yeah. That Houston job to me, uh, which he has interviewed for, is not that attractive because the way the roster is built, it dictates the style of play you have to play right now. And I'm not sure that that's how, how Sam Cassell wants to run things. And then also just the, that owner is is a terrible owner. Um, Daryl Morey walked away. You have unproven GM. Yeah. Um, you might start yeah. to see – you know, James Harden wanting out or Russell Westbrook wanting out. And I don't know how attractive that job is to Sam Cassell. Um, and then I don't think I haven't, I don't think I've read that his name is linked to either the Pacers or the Thunder job, which are the other two jobs that are open. Um, so in that case, <laughs> I would be, I would be so happy if we would get uh, Sam Cassell as associate head coach, because you can hire him away from the Clippers with that promotion. Um, and, and it works for him, even if you only have him one year on the bench, because like he can be available yeah. as a head coach the next off season, but if, or, you know, he can stick around for a while if, if the right situation isn't there. But I think if I, if it was me and I was choosing between associate head coach with the Pelicans for a year or take Houston job, yeah. I think I go with the Pelicans. Um, uh, because, you know, there's a high probability of this team at least being a playoff team. And I know that the owner is going to spend from what I've seen. Um, you know, I get to spend another year under a very proven, well-respected coach. I get elevated, those sort of things. Um, then uh, next. I like the Sam Cassell. What about, and you said about the, our owner liking to spell, spend, was willing yeah. to spend. What about the, which is Stan Van Gundy? Associate coach Jeff Van Gunny. That's what I've been pushing. You like that? No, I, I like. I think one. I mean, I was going to talk more about Stan after you uh, give your initial reactions, but I, I feel like Stan yeah. is very innovative. You know, he basically invented yeah. the stretch four and the four out, one in offenses, and I feel like Jeff Van Gundy. As much as I kind of like him, I used to like him a lot as as a coaching prospect. But as years have gone yeah. by, he seems to just really resent modern basketball. And I think it's it's very mm. interesting that he's so heavily linked to the Rockets because of the way that team is built. And and if you watch mm-hmm. him call a Rockets game, he's just constantly complaining about the way they play and the way they flop. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic. I kind of hope that happens just to see that train in Houston because I got no love for the Rockets. You know, like, right. <laughs> um, so it, it's going to be interesting. But 
No, and, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know that those two want to work together. I don't know. I mean, kind of weird to have, like, a little bit of a sibling <laughs> rivalry on the on the bench. I don't know. Um, uh, so then the, okay, so go, go finish up your coaching yeah, staff. Yeah, and so I also believe that this this front office is very intrigued and interested and and loves Will Weaver. Um and, and everything, okay. and yeah. I'm not going to pretend to know a lot about Will Weaver. Um, I've read a few articles about yeah. him. I've listened to some podcasts that talk about him. I've listened to some interviews with him. But every, everything yeah. that's out there is that he's a very innovative offensive mind, which I think is very okay. key to bring to this team when you have um, a really unique player in Zion Williamson. He's not like other big men. He's not like... There's, there's really no other player comp for him. You just have to, like, mash together a bunch of players to sort of um, describe what he is. And then at the same token, okay. if Lonzo Ball is the future, is, has a future with this team, he's also a very unique player for his position because of his strengths and weaknesses at that position. So it's going to require some ingenuity to make that really work, especially when you try to figure out the pieces to go around that. Um and then <clears throat> I think that I could see a world where this front office looks at Will Weaver as the future head coach of this team from everything I've, I've seen about them. So you could bring in a guy like Stan Van Gundy, give him a four- or five-year contract, and if you can keep Will Weaver on that bench that whole time, you know, get, learning from a great coach in this league um, that, that – you know, players respect. He's had a lot of success in, in, in the league. He's only had three losing seasons in his whole career. Um, you know, nice. he can learn from that guy. And then, you know, then you do the Nick Nurse uh, takeover. You know, you just let you, you let uh, Van Gundy go at the end of his contract and then you promote Will Weaver and, and then that's your future. And, you know, people, a lot of people are worried about Stan Van Gundy because of the whole developing a culture thing, which I think Stan Van Gundy can clearly mm-hmm. develop a culture. But if you're, if you have, if you're making this move with that in mind, I think it really removes that, that concern because you're setting up a culture and you're grooming a guy all along to be the guy that takes over. Um, and I really like that situation. Mm-hmm. And then, for a few other guys on the bench, you know, I mean, the other day, Gary Payton threw his name out there, wouldn't be um, <clears throat> a coach in the NBA. And, uh, you know, at, later on, we're going to talk about some moves. But if you can have a guy like Sam Cassell and a guy like Gary Payton working with your guards, especially to help them as perimeter yeah. defenders, I mean, you can't ask yeah. for two better guys to tutelage, um, you know, young players at that position. And then um, I did also, and plus Gary Payton yeah, like also so had far. a year under um, Stan Van Gundy in Miami, also, though. So they have like a Okay, nice, nice. And then okay. Adding Good another ex Heat guy to the bench, I would like to see them add Mike Miller to the bench, who served as the Knicks head coach um, this year as in an interim position. Um, but, you know, he's, he was like, a, you know, a really good small forward slash. Uh, um, uh, stretch four for years, um, and he played in Miami as well. Um, and I think he could do working with Mike. um with Brandon Ingram, and also you know if you add enough, some more forwards, uh, wing type players, and even working with Zion um, 
and stretching him out, those sort of things. I'd like to see that. And then another guy that I don't know if this guy is interested in coaching, but I David Grubb put this in my head, and I can't stop thinking about how great this would be, is, is bringing this guy as either a part-time consultant or just, like, to work with the team – well, specifically with Zion in the preseason on footwork, is to bring in Bonzi Wells as a consistent because he has incredible post moves. And, you know, he's a similar, yeah. similar size, a little bit shorter than Zion, but he was a guy that mm-hmm. was technically a two guard for a lot of his career. He played three, yeah. he played the four. Sometimes they used him as a small ball five, even. And I think. He's a That's guy that true. had a lot of great post moves, footwork-wise, and, you know, moves going over both shoulders and, and, like, ways to get shots up around bigger players. And I think it could really impact uh, Zion very well. He's brought in to work with him a little bit. And like I said, I don't know that he's interested in coaching. There's never been any talk about that. But in terms of, like, a preseason consultant or even, like, a part-time guy that comes in a few times a year during the season – to work with them, I think it would, you know, be very beneficial. Um, so nice. I don't know if you want to react to that, ask like me any questions or. Yeah, I, I like it. I like the, the Gary Pete and Sam Cassell. Bonzi Wells is highly respected. And then my approach of, of young veterans and then youth behind them to learn. That's the same thing you kind of doing with, uh, Stan Van Gundy, and then Will Weaver learning behind. So that's how I like to build, get a youth and learn from somebody. So, yeah, Will Weaver, that's the guy from the NBF, yeah, NBL, DD's right? Coach or, in Australia. Yeah, Didi's coach over there. Yeah, so I heard the same things. I read probably the same articles you read on him. I don't know too much. But that idea of grooming the youth under somebody veteran that knows – that knows the winning already in the league is something that I do enjoy and, and feel like that's how it should be built. So, yeah, I like, I like what you're doing. I like what's going on with yeah, that coaching staff like- and the Bonzi. I like the Bonzi teaching Zion, I guess the small balls center type moves. And yeah, I like it. That's, that's good stuff going on. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be, uh, excited about that coaching yeah, staff. Um, and it's a lot like uh, what happened with me and what I wanted last season in terms of the GM search. I, w- I wanted Trajan Langdon to be the main guy, you know, and uh, a lot of people were high on David Griffin. I-, I was never that high on David Griffin, but I understand like why people were and I respected him. Um, and then we got the best of both worlds. We got Griffin and Langdon. And so if we could get Stan Van Gundy yeah, and Sam Griffin. Cassell, I would be so happy, you know. Nice. Nice. And that seems – and that's realistic, too. That's something that's easily believable that's going to happen. Nice. Okay. Nice coaching staff already. I like okay. it. Okay. Now, I have a ton of personnel moves. Um, that basically set up one big move, but also work around the fringe. Um, what is what is your personnel moves um, for? What are your why are you doing these? Okay, moves? so like I said earlier, it's clear that this team is in win now mode. So what I'm trying to do is okay. build a team that's set up to win now, but has some stability for the future as well. Um, 
And I'm also trying to make it easier for this t team to be built. As I said, you have Zion and Lonzo who are very unique players for their position. And I think it's, you look at um, Philadelphia with Ben Simmons uh, yeah. as, a, as a point guard, yeah. or, you know, they did end up shifting him to power forward and we'll see what Doc does with him. But Ben Simmons as a point guard is a very hard player to build around because he can't shoot off the dribble. He can't shoot, period. Um, but he does these other amazing things, right? I mean, he's, his size, is, mm -hmm. for one thing, for that position is incredible. Athleticism, he defends every position. He can defend all five positions. He rebounds. Um, yep. And he's an, an incredible passer in the break. Now he's not a good half-court offensive point guard. And that's very true of Lonzo Ball as well. Lonzo Ball is a terrible pick-and-roll player. Um, he's not a good half-court offensive player. Even Stan Van Gundy said that recently in, in, uh, on a podcast that, you know, Lonzo was a great transition point guard but not great in the half-court. And it's true. And I like Lonzo Ball a lot. But – he has a lot of limitations. He's a great catch-and-shoot shooter. He's become that. Can't shoot free throws, can't shoot off yeah. the dribble, doesn't attack. Um, so you have a lot of limitations with that. So I'm, I'm looking at this team, and also I'm looking at Lonzo coming up on a, on a contract extension that you kind of have to make a decision on this offseason, if he's part of the future or not. And, and when I was on your podcast mm -hmm. last time, I talked about how – I don't think that he he is a max player. Like, I think he's a, a very good no. player, and I like him a lot. But I don't think he's a max player. And I think that he's going to demand that max contract. Um, if you could pay him 16 to $18 million a year, I'm okay with that. I think that's about right for what he is and what he will be. But I think he's going to dictate more than that. And then we already talked about the timeline – with having to pay Drew Holiday while you have um, Zion on his um, on his rookie deal, but then if you have if you max Ingram and then you have Max Lonzo, you have three guys making like twenty five million dollars while Zion's um, on his rookie deal. But if you can sort of reset that point guard situation, get another highly touted point guard that's on a rookie deal and then still have some sort of vet there to guide him, I think that's the way to go because you still can keep Drew Holiday to stabilize that defense, bring that leader, that veteran leadership, have that win-now mentality. You bring in another veteran point guard, and then you draft uh, one, of the, one of the high point guards, which I have all these moves planned out, which we'll go through in a minute. But that's basically the basis of my team is, like, I don't think I want to build around two guys that have – a lot of uniqueness that makes it harder to build around, you know, like, a, like another guy that's like that is Jokic mm -hmm. because he's a center, but he does, he's not a rim protector. He's not a defender. He, he plays more from the perimeter as a scorer and he's a playmaker. So you yeah. have to build a team that's unique around him. You have to work on his deficiencies. And if you are, if you're telling me your top three guys, two of your top three guys are very unique in that situation. It makes it really difficult to make the rest fall in line. So I want to sort of streamline that. And as I said, Zion and Ingram are untouchable. So 
that means Lonzo goes. Yeah. And it's not a knock on Lonzo, Lonzo because goes. I do think he's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that I can make a better team right now that's ready to win but is also grooming somebody for the future, especially when I have Sam Cassell and Gary Payton on the ro- uh, on my bench uh, tutor, tutor the guy that we're bringing in. Mm, okay, so that's again that Lonzo versus Drew, either or. So it sounds like you're getting Lonzo out of here. So what moves you making okay, well, to get Lonzo I'm gonna start, out? I'm going to say I'm going to max Brandon Ingram, which I think anybody is going to say. Of right? course. So we'll get that out of the way. All right, so the first move I'm doing to set up my eventual replacement of Lonzo is I'm trading J.J. Redick. Ideally to the Bucks, um, JJ Redick and and the Wizards second round pick to the Bucks for George Hill and the Pacers first rounder. If I can't get that, I'm doing the same exact okay. trade to the Nets for Spencer Dinwiddie and the 76ers first round pick. So I'm getting a veteran point guard back and a first round pick back. JJ Redick for no for Spencer Levert? Dinwiddie. They're they're they're. Yeah, they would not. Oh, they would not. Okay. Yeah. I'm a, yeah, I'm about to say that's not yeah. realistic. What are you talking about? Okay, I really like, I like the Dinwiddie. I love what Dinwiddie does as a point guard, and he's saying that's the young veteran right there. I, I love that approach already. I think so, the yeah, Nets trade is good. more likely than uh, the Bucks trade, but I actually prefer the Bucks trade because I Dinwiddie is while I'm I'm a big Dinwiddie fan. But he's not he's not a shooter. Yeah. And I think when you're looking at the starting lineup, okay. you're gonna have Zion for sure. You're gonna have somebody at the center, and you're gonna have Drew Holiday. That's three non-shooters. Then you're gonna add Spencer Dinwiddie, who is also a non-shooter. George Hill is not a dynamic point guard. Mm-hmm. He's a very good defender. No. He can he can create, but he's not yep. like this flat. He's he's kind of a combo guard in a sense. More he's more of a combo guard. But he's a knockdown yeah. shooter, so he's going to create space for you. Yeah, um, and that's why the I don't know that the Bucks are going to get rid of him. Um, that's why I think the Nets is more likely. But I would love it, you know, if we're going perfect off season that I'm getting George Hill in that pick. And, and um, still, okay. you know, because also in that sense, you can put the ball more in the half court into. Zion or Brandon Ingram's hands to be sort of the creators in the hot court, and then you have this knockdown shooter out there, or even in Drew Holiday's hands. But everybody on that in that lineup, outside of possibly the center position, can handle and can create. And then you add a shooter. Um, and then if it's Dinwiddie, he's a very big guard, which I like defensively. Um, he definitely attacks. He's good in the pick and roll. He's just limited as a shooter, but maybe you know working with Fred Vincent can sort of turn that around a little bit. I would hope so, but, you know, I'm not going to bank on it. Um, so that's the first move. The George Hill, I like the George Hill. A lot of winning in his, his in his background, too. He does a lot of winning teams. I, when I lived in Indiana, I seen him in high school and this small college, IUPUI, and he was just the man in Indiana over there. So he... He has a long history of playing good basketball. So yeah, I, I mean, like, he's a, I like George Hill too. And that, that's going to be your, 
your starting for right now, yeah. point guard yeah. and for this season. For right now, George Hill for Lonzo Ball. You're going to and then George my Hill. Okay. is where I actually lose Lonzo. And I'm trading Lonzo to the yeah. Knicks for the eighth pick in the draft. Okay. The Knicks, the Knicks would love Lonzo. I mean, they would love Lonzo right now. So I, I see, I see that as a realistic okay. trade as well. So then they would do. I'm taking that eighth pick and that thirteenth pick that I have, and I'm trading that to Chicago yeah. for the fourth pick in the draft. Okay. Yeah. Moving up to four. So you're targeting somebody right. specifically there. If you're gonna trade two of those, I like I I I probably would keep eight and thirteen and then draft where it is. But it sounds that like you're also targeting can work. Who? Like I don't mind that move because you know fill two holes. But I also feel like we already have three rookies from last year. We're still developing, so you don't want to be developing a bunch of rookies at once. You know. Um. So yeah. The next the next trade um. That I'm that I'm doing. I mean, sorry. Then I'm drafting uh, Killian Hayes as the point guard of the future. Killian Hayes. Uh huh. There's a lot of good reviews on him. I don't. I'm not 100 percent on him, but yeah, a lot of people love him as maybe even the top uh, prospect okay, so in this. Draft. My thing with him so, is that he's a big guard, which I want yeah. to have a big backcourt. So. He's 6'5", with a 6'8 okay. wingspan. Uh, he's often compared to Ginobili and D'Angelo Russell. Um, so, you know, those are two solid mm. names or what those kind of – he's a totally different point guard than than Monzo Ball, you know. Um, I think he works better with the collection of the team if he reaches his potential. Um, he's not a good three-point shooter yet. Uh, but he does have a good form, and uh, he shoots well from the free throw stripe, and he gets to the line a lot. So, you know, Lonzo doesn't shoot well from from the stripe. He doesn't get to the line. Um, So I think that free throw shooting percentage and his form projects that he can develop into a good um, three-point shooter, at least a serviceable one, Um, and then he attacks which is great. Um, he's a really creative passer. Obviously, Lonzo is one of the most gifted passers. Um, so you're not – yeah. You're, he's not what Lonzo was in terms of passing, but he's not that far off. Um, so, you know, you're still going to have that those incredible passes, those creative passes. Um, um, mm-hmm. And he's purely left-handed at this stage. He just has one hand. He can't dribble with the right – um, so that kind, that's a flaw, but it kind of reminds me of Tyreek Evans in a, in a sense. He reminds me a bit of Tyreek Evans and I'm a big Tyreek Evans fan. Right? I love Tyreek Evans. Yeah. And if you go back and you look at the numbers, when Drew and Tyreek played together, we were, we were blowing people out. Um, yeah. and a lot of the problem with, we didn't get a lot of minutes with that was somewhat due to injury, but also a lot due to coaching, um, you know, Monty never played them together. Um, um, and by the time Gentry got Tyreek, his knee was pretty much destroyed. Um, but he was he was like never really Done, yeah. what he was. But even then, they they staggered him too much. Um, but you know, a guy that collapses the defense with driving in is what we want 
from Lonzo, and he's not giving us that. But this guy will attack the paint, will drive. Even if he's doing it with one hand, he's still effective. Um, he's really strong, which is another thing that reminds me of Evans. Like he'll overpower smaller guards. Um, he has some hardened kind of mm-hmm. sidestep and step back moves already. Um, if he can get that shot polished, that'll really help him as a shooter off the dribble because he already is able to create some space that way. Um, he's really active off the ball on defense, so that should help team defense. He gets lost a little – I mean, he gets beat a little bit on um, one-on-one, man, one-on-one man-to-man defense because he's not super fast, um, but he's a better team defender than other players. So, um, like, you know, like I said, Drew's the best one-on-one defender on the perimeter that's out there, but it hasn't trickled down to team defense. So if you shore up some of that perimeter team defense – then, you know, it makes it easier if you don't have that great interior defender yet, which we need Zion to grow into, Jackson Hayes to grow into, or whoever else we get in that position. Um, and then, uh, you know, it can kind of, you know, we I know at the Bird Rights, we were all sort of, before the Lakers trade actually happened, we were all sort of drooling over the idea of the Knicks winning the lottery or getting the second pick, I mean, getting the second pick so that we could, pair Zion and John Morant together, you know, they have that young dynamic deal. And this yeah, could kind of create that, that scenario, yeah, you know, where you have that young point guard that grows with him. And I, I think, you know, if he develops to what he looks like, and especially with a guy like George yeah. Hill or Spencer Dinwiddie and a guy like Drew Holiday and then Sam Cassell, Garrett Payton working with him, Will Weaver, um, you know, creating situations for him that's going to benefit him. I think he could blossom into a star and then you reset that timeline um, contract wise where you can afford to keep Drew Holiday around because you're not you don't have a Max Lonzo. You have a, a young guy on a, on another rookie contract before Zion hits his his max, you know, so I, that, that's my thoughts there on, on that trade. Um, and okay. So my specialty is not really overseas. Uh, prospects i can't i can't really tell too much on them so i i have i'm gonna just go with you on your your take on killian hayes a lot of people do like him as well i don't have a yes or no on hayes because like i said international prospects are a little harder for me to gauge but he does there's a lot of people that do love him yeah for sure Mm-hmm. Okay, and then so the next move is I trade Ellie in as many seconds as they want, or the Lakers, uh, or a Lakers pick or a protected Pels pick to Cleveland for Larry Nance Jr. I know you like Larry Nance Jr. a lot. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my guy. That's my guy, Larry Nance. I, I mean, love he's, it. <laughs> he's on a good contract. Uh, he's he's a little bit undersized. Yeah. He's six seven, but. I think if you're if you're gonna want to play Zion a lot of minutes in the in the post um, on offense, like as, basically operating as the as the center on offense, you're gonna want to surround him with shooters. And Larry Nance shot 48 percent from the right corner three last season. He's a very good outside shooter. He doesn't Jeez. shoot. He shoots well from the corners, nice. not from anywhere else. But that's where you're anchoring your your um, stretch four anyway. Um, and he rebounds, mm-hmm. he blocks shots, 
He's a versatile defender. He can guard multiple positions, so you can switch a lot. He's not going to kill you on the perimeter. Um, I'm not saying he's your starting center, but I think he's, you know, that first big off the bench when you want to shift Zion down low, and you're going to play him a lot of minutes yeah. in, in that rotation. And, you know, really sure, again, really shoring up that team defense and making it easier on Zion if he's, you know, your, your rim protector, or you could have Nance as your rim protector when he's out there. With, with yeah, him. I love him. I love him as the, the starting center for me. That's where I mean, I I'm fine like with that. At. But, you but, know, yeah, then so, you're starting like a 6'7 uh-huh. and a 6'6. Six, six, you know, that, those are your bigs, 6'7 six, and 6'6. Six, six. So uh-huh. I, I see the downfall of that. But also, I mean, you look at what the Rockets did, and it was great for – uh, regular season success, and I think that these two guys can create that. And you know, obviously Zion's a better player than any of those guys that they had. Doing that, um, he's not there defensively yet, but offensively, of course. And they had and they had PJ yeah. Tucker doing it, and he's not a shot blocker or a rim protector. At least um, Larry Nance is definitely a rim protector as well as with his small ball yeah. because of his length. So that's why I see it as. A little different than well, what Houston true. did. Houston, that's like, abandoned. Covington, Covington rim became rim. a bit of a rim protector for them, uh, blocking a lot of shots. And then, like, mm-hmm. I I love Larry Nance, right? But he's not the defender. That yeah. he, like, he blocks shots, but P.J. Tucker is an elite defender. Like, he might not block shots, but he's yeah. he's going he's gonna to make your life miserable, I right? I think people are more scared of going against PJ Tucker and Larry Nance. So I just want to throw that out there. But um, Larry Nance is also okay. a very good playmaker for his position. So, you know, imagine a world where Zion's in the middle, right? You have Nance at the four, Ingram at the three. You have Holiday or, you know, what the shooting guard that we're about to get to as the backup uh, out there. And then you have like, George Hill, you have everybody in that lineup can handle the ball. Everybody can shoot outside except for – I mean, Zion has good outside shooting numbers from last year, but they, I don't think they're that realistic yet. It was just, you know, that early game for one thing, like really put him up there in the stratosphere. But, um, you know, I don't think he's an outside shooter yet, and I don't think you really want him to be. But, you know, in that situation, you have everybody can create plays. Everybody can find a cutter. Everybody can shoot. Um, and I really like that a lot. Um, and I think, you know, what we saw from Stan Van Gundy in Orlando with Dwight Howard, that's what he had and that's what he wanted. You know, Larry Nance can sort of be that he do Turkaloo. I yeah. think that's a pretty good representation of what he is, except nice. for obviously he's more athletic. Um, he's a lot at two, which also creates mm-hmm. space for, for Zion to operate as well, you know. So he has all those tools, and I think he'd be a perfect fit here. Um for that reason. And I know you agree because I, you know, I listen to your pod, so I, I hear you talk about him as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's my guy. I would love to get Larry Nance yeah. this offseason. Okay. I think and he's then, so remember we traded away, um, we, we traded away JJ Reddick. So we need to get that, that uh, shooter. Right. So, and, and yeah. this deal, uh, we trade Darius Miller, a top eight protected first and the first that we got from um, uh, 
No, from LA. Uh, let's see. Let's go back here. From the from the Pacers or or the Bucks. Remember, we had that that late pick. Um, okay. So we trade we trade that to Atlanta for Kevin Herter and and Dwayne Dedman. Okay. So we get um, they get some cap relief. They get two two first round picks. And we get another veteran backup center who's okay. He's not great, but he's a guy that has size. Had had one year of being able to stretch the floor a little bit. I don't know if that was a flash in the pan or if he can get back to that. But he plays defense. He rebounds. He's on a short contract. Um, it's And it really yeah. creates a lot of space for Atlanta. And I think Atlanta really wants to add um, – some veteran players and some some higher quality players. Now we gave them draft picks, which doesn't help in that situation, but it does in a sense if you create even more cap space and you give them extra draft picks that they can then throw in to try to land that that bigger guy, you know. Um, and I think they like Kevin Herter, so you have to like pay to get him. And I really I really like Kevin yeah. Herter. Again, like. What I what I want to build is a backcourt that has size, and he has a lot of length. He's six seven. Yeah. He can play the two or the three. He's a really good uh, ball handler, creator. Um, B ball index has him rated in the top eighty one percent in that role as like a secondary ball handler. Um, he's really athletic. Mm-hmm. He's long. He's a good defender, and he's a really good outside shooter. So in a way, I'm sort of setting up the future replacement of not only JJ, but Drew, he's sort of like in between the two of them in a sense that, you know, he's going to be your long-term answer at the two yard spot. And he's another guy that can create from that position, defends from that position is really athletic. He's a really good driver. He's not really a good cutter yet, but I don't know if that's more of what Atlanta, how Atlanta was using him. Um, so I'm not sure that he's not a great off-ball mover. I think he possibly can be because he has those driving skills. Um, and I think being able to cut is going to be key because you're going to have the ball a lot in Zion's hands down low, and then you're going to want guys to react off of that. Um, but he get- That's the first move. That's the first move, though, where I feel like it's not – realistic and not something that the Hawks, the other moves I, I see that possible, but where the youth that the Hawks have already, I see them just trying to uh, build on that instead of getting rid of their youth of her. They called yeah. him Clay Thompson. They That's who they see him as a Clay I, Thompson type for them. So I don't see them trading. I, I know they would dump Deadman in a second, but that herd herder is gonna be much more harder to get and little. And that's why I'm willing to overpay for him. Like two two first, because I really do okay. see him as like a perfect piece. And you know, he's on a two point seven million dollar contract. Yeah. He hasn't hit he's gonna hit that, that regular yeah. rookie extension next season, so you still have him on a on a really good contract. And the thing is I agree a hundred percent of what you said about Atlanta. But I also have been listening. I listened to a Lloyd Pierce contract recent. I mean, uh, a podcast with Lloyd Pierce recently, and they were talking about how they need to start okay. adding a lot of veterans to this team. He he didn't really even want to use their draft pick this year. He was hoping that they would 
move that to add a, a player and start to win now? Because you think about it, you already have Trey Young, who's already an all-star. He made an all-star game. Uh, you have um, Hunter, yep. who's really looked like a very good perimeter defender, uh, solid tweener forward. Yep. Um, they missed they missed um, yep. having John Collins for the early part of the year when he was suspended. But when he was in there, he looked great. I'm a huge John Collins fan, and I think he has all-star potential written all over him. And then they brought in Clint Capella, um, another veteran to anchor that mm-hmm. defense. And then they, you know, they have Cam Reddish still that can then fill that Kevin Herter void. They could bring back DeAndre M- uh, Bembry. Um, but also they can pull those picks <laughs> together and use that cap space to really bring in, you know, a, a big name guy if they keep that, that cap space open, even if it's not in the offseason, if it's around the trade deadline, you know, if they could go get a Bradley Beal, if they could go get, um, you know, a Joel Embiid or, or you know, somebody like that's going to be selling off a star or a high caliber player, or they have space to add a guy like Dalinari to this team. And Atlanta is, it's, it's kind of in that situation where they don't, they're not a, a prime free agent destination, but they are a city that players like to like to go visit, and I think they can sell guys on a long thing there. So they might be able to sign some free agents. But this year, the free agent class isn't that great. But if you get Deadman off the books, you it's not get, um, that herder uh, extension off the books, and you keep that cap space. If they don't fill it this year, next year the the cap space is going to explode, and maybe they could. You know, big, go big game hunting, do a sign and trade, get um, Giannis or some, you know, something like that. A big name player to fill that spot or grab a big name free agent. And then they have those picks that they can use as collateral to attract players. Um, so I don't, I agree that I don't think it's necessarily 100% realistic, but I do see a world in which it can happen and I'm willing to overpay for it because of the situation that our team. And how we have so many extra picks that we can throw them several picks, and I'd be willing to throw in Jackson Hayes or Nikhil Alexander there as well if they wanted my, one of them. <clears throat> oh, okay, because that was going to be my next question: like, why would we get rid of JJ, the shooter, just to get, uh, just to try to replace the, that shooting with somebody else, but? You're just that high on him. Why you would try to do that? Yeah, and I think he's like the heir apparent to Drew. You know, when you when when Drew starts to decline, Mm -hmm. or you know, or you don't can't come to terms on a on a contract extension, it's okay because you have this guy waiting in the wings. Um, Mm -hmm. and he can still get a lot of minutes now because he can play the the two or the three. Um. And then, uh, so let's see. Let me go back up here. So then, after that, that's that's all my major shakeup moves. That's my trade. That's all you see. That's yeah. a lot. That's a lot of shakeup. You're you're predicting a lot of uh, moves like that this off season, or you're thinking they're going to uh, keep a little more calm with them just pre- draft. I'm not going to predict that what this is happening because this is a lot of moves. Um, but. 
That's a lot. I do yeah. think that there is going to be – I do think that they want to turn this roster over more, and especially if they're going to bring in a guy like Stan Van Gundy. Mm-hmm. I think that they're definitely going to look to make some, some moves around the edges to make this team fit more of what he's done in the past um, and, you know, have his input. And I think from listening to him, I think he thinks Lonzo's a good player, but I don't think necessarily that he thinks – that Lonzo will become an all-star. And if you're going to have to pay Lonzo a Mm. max contract, you need him to be at least in an all-star discussion. And I don't, I personally think he might make an all-star appearance in his career, but I don't think he's a guy that's a perennial all-star player um, because of his limitations. And, And I think the biggest limitation with him is his mentality in terms of attacking and I don't know that that I think that's probably the hardest thing for a player to pick uh, to fix because that's at the core of who you are. It's not mechanics. It's not just retraining your body to do something. Um, it's not muscle memory. It's not like you can't just do something over and over and over again, muscle wise, and your body adjusts to it. Um, it it's like changing who you are yeah. at your core. And I just don't know. It's happened mm. before for sure, but I don't know that it will happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm scared because you don't have the time to see if it will happen before you have to give him twenty five million dollars a year for years or four years, you know. So mm-hmm. um that's where I'm at with that. And then the next moves <clears throat> I, I think we still need to add another big to this to this team. And so with the MLE, I'm, I, I have these guys ranked in order. Um, and I think the first two to three are unlikely because I think they'll go somewhere else. Um, but we're talking perfect, so I threw them in there. Um, the first one is Harry Giles. I really like him from Sacramento. Um, I think he's a good playmaking big. I think he's athletic. I know he had those knee issues. But one of the reasons you bring in a guy like um, Aaron Nelson is to get guys like this and to improve their physical condition and have them ready to play and sort of rejuvenate their careers. We've seen him do that a bunch of times in Phoenix. So I'm banking on that. And I think he's a very good fit for this team with the skill set that he brings. The next is a guy that I know we would all love to have. I think he's going to get paid more than this. um, And I don't think he'll want to come here at all. But I did see a report that people think that he's going to be an MLE guy, and that's Christian Wood. Um, but, you know, like I said, I don't okay. think he's going to want to come back to New Orleans. I think that was ended on, on a sour note. I think it would take David Griffin, you yeah. know, sort of groveling a bit and admitting that he was wrong and made a lot of mistakes. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that David Griffin <laughs> is the kind of guy that's going to do that. Like, um, so – I, I just don't see it happening, although obviously we've all seen what Christian Wood did when he was here and what he did when he was in Detroit. I mean, if you can convince him that he's going to be a starting five on this team and we're going to be a playoff team, he's going to get a lot of touches and his skill set is really uh, fits exactly what Stan Van Gundy wants to do. Uh, maybe you can get him in here, but I, I don't really think it's a possibility, but he's he, he's a guy that obviously I think most of Pelicans nation would love to have back. Um, 
The third guy is Dario Saric. Played small ball five for uh, the Suns. Um, he also is a stretch four. Yeah. He's not that great of an outside shooter, but he's a really good playmaker. He's tenacious. Uh, he brings a, a lot of attitude to the team. He's He's got a little bit of Marcus Smart in him that way, um, which I think it is something that we could definitely use here. <laughs> and I think uh, the skills that he has with Stan Van Gundy and Will Weaver, I think they would really find a way to, to make him very impactful. Um, then the, yeah, I think Saris Sand could yeah. could utilize the other two guys too, yeah. for the MLE are Mason Plumley and Willie Hernan Gomez. I think Mason Plumley is a really good playmaking uh, center. Like his tutelage under what he learned under Jokic and in that Denver system, he became a really good passer from the center position. He's an he's an okay defender. He's going to get played off the off the floor when teams go small, but that's okay. That's why you have Larry Nance. Yeah. Um, but he gives you that option to throw out there when you need that size. He rebounds. He, he protects the rim. He's an okay shot blocker. Um, he's a really good screen setter, so he's going to get shooters open. Um, so I think he's a guy that is a realistic option. Um, and I think, you know, I don't know that he's your – you're, I mean, even if he is your starter, I don't know that he's like a 25-minute-a-game player, especially if you have Nance, but he might start the game out for you um, or play heavy minutes when you're playing a team like the Lakers or or, or Miami or, or somebody with, you know, a, a big that you need a um, that you need a, a, a big yourself out there. And I don't think he's going to hurt you too much on the offensive end when he's out there. Um, and then Willie Hernan Gomez is – like he's a young guy. He's an okay playmaker. He rebounds. He defends okay. He, again, he's another guy that is only going to be out there when you need a, a a a more traditional big out there. You're going to roll at Nance more, or you know even Jackson Hayes. Um, but these are just solid vets that you can rely on. Um, and then for minimum contracts, I would try to get the Mari Carroll uh, tweener tweener three four forward. Um, has connections with Trajan Langdon from their time and with the Nets. I think he's a really solid veteran. He's good leadership. He's liked really well in the locker room. He's a really good bench guy. Um, he's a good defender. You know, and, and then the other guy is Troy Daniels. He's a guy I've always liked as just a guy that you can bring off the bench as a knockdown shooter. If you're if you have some injuries at the two guard, you can play him for a while. Um, but what I'm doing here is also dumping all those free agent guys at the end of our bench, Frank Jackson, Kenrick Williams, Ogafor, all those guys, yeah, and replacing definitely. those guys with quality veterans instead of young guys because we're already going to have Zion, uh, Hayes. We're going to have Nall. We're going to have Killian Hayes as well now. We're going to have uh, Kevin Herter, who's still a young player. Um, so we're going to focus on developing those guys who mm-hmm. just have reliable vets at the end of the bench that don't need to play. But when you, when you have to play them are ready to play and you don't have to worry that much about them, you know? Um, and then I'm going to leave one roster spot open. Um, you still got yeah, roster spots after spot all those moves? Um, so okay. that, that uh, I'm going to leave that one open because that way well, it's for if you want to call the ball. If somebody makes a surprise cut in the off season, 
uh, like a young guy you like, you can bring him in. Um, okay. Or also, if things aren't working, it allows you to be able to trade Drew at the at the deadline still, and you'll have his roster spot and that roster spot open to take players back because you're going to have to take multiple players back because of Drew's salary. Um, so it gives you that flexibility as well. Yeah. And that that's my plan. <laughs> okay. That's your plan right there. That's a lot of moving parts to that plan. I'm more minimal than that, but I I see the ideas that you're going with. And if Hayes breaks out next year in the draft and all that, then I'll be like, wow, Kevin was on him. Kevin was right about Hayes. Because that's pretty much the, the center to your moves, getting Lonzo out of there and getting Hayes. You, you believe in him running the team as a point guard more than you believe in Lonzo's future and definitely with Stan Van Gundy too. So if Stan Van Gundy's the higher, you're thinking you want yeah, a different you know, point like guard. I said, than it's Lonzo. all about like how unique of a player Lonzo is. And I, and you know, I got to keep stressing this because the Lonzo stands are going to come after me. I think he's a very good player and I really like him <laughs> in a different situation. You know, I mean, I'm going to root for yeah. him wherever he goes. I, I really do like Lonzo a lot. Um, but I, I think salary-wise, this makes sense because it resets that timeline a little bit. And you're able to, without sacrificing too much, mm-hmm. bring in another young prospect that's really highly touted um, to come in and develop at that same position when you have time to do it because you have veteran guys, you have multiple ball handlers, and then you have these uh, great point guards on your bench to work with him. And, and it, it's a it's a better situation. Had Monzo had the similar situation from day one when he was drafted, we might be having a different conversation about Lonzo right now. But he didn't have that. And I don't think we have the luxury of time to wait to see if he de- – I think he will develop further, but we don't really have the luxury to wait and see because of – the win-now situation we're in and the contract situation we're in and the small market situation we're in. And I think, you know, it's foolish to think that New Orleans is ever going to be a free agent destination unless we're, you know, winning championships. And I, so you have to sort of plan a, a way around of developing young talent, but also being willing to use, draft capital to get those players like we saw Dell Dips do in the past. And I think that's what's so great about the situation we're in now is that you are able to do that without sacrificing the future because we have extra picks from the Lakers. And I was able to put together some scenarios where we got some extra picks um, in trades to then get younger players without sacrificing our own picks to a, a large extent. Nice. Nice. Well, right now I have to wrap it up, Kev. I have to go to work, but I appreciate you coming on and showing your your vision of the this offseason and what you would love to see for the Pelicans, man. Thanks a lot, man, for coming back. (laughs) I like it. We'll see what if it gets done. And we should be hearing that coaching hire very soon. Very soon. Yeah, I think it's either way. Stan, last thing, you think Stan's going to have a good um, 
what do you call it, uh, a response if he gets hired from the fan base? Yeah, I think or it's going to be will, more negative. I, even if it's not the, their top choice, I think people that watch basketball and know Stan Van Gundy's history will understand why it's a good hi- hire and why it makes sense. Like like I said, I'm, my top three candidates were Vanderpool, Sam Cassell, and uh, Jerry Stackhouse. Um, so that's the direction I wanted to go in coaching, but if Stan Van Gundy's hired, I'm ecstatic. Yeah. Um, if Ty Lue was hired, if Ty Lue was hired, I'm happy. Oh, wow. If Doc Rivers was hired, I'm happy. But I like Stan Van Gundy better than those two guys. So you know, I think it's a it's a good hire. Okay, so we're gonna cross our fingers and look for, look forward to that hiring yeah. that should be happening soon. No problem. All righty, Kev. Thanks again, man. Appreciate it. We'll have you on again. All right. Good night. So that was Kevin Barrios at Kevin B for Bounce on Twitter. You know, my thing is basketball IQ and great basketball minds. And Kevin's one of my favorites. So when he talks, I listen. I'm a big Lonzo supporter. But Kevin does not see Lonzo as a great future point guard. Point guard of the future for this Pelican squad. His guy is Killian Hayes. What a cool name. Killian. (laughs) I like it. Now I have a new player to watch and see if Kevin was right once again with his very plausible plan for this offseason. I'm at Top 5 Pelicans Pod on Twitter. Uh, Appreciate and thank you for my loyal listeners. I see you. And... Hopefully the first time listeners enjoyed the show. And until next time, peace.